Good morning. He was mentioning the, uh, I really appreciate bringing in history, <clears throat> the Dion quintuplets. Some of you remember them? <clears throat> when I was in high school, I dated a, qu a twin, and people asked me how I could tell them apart. And <clears throat> it was easy. Laura wore pink fingernail polish, and John had a beard. So, uh, okay. So would you, as a courtesy, make sure your phone is in the silence? And uh, I, in behalf of John Howard, who's going to speak later, I really want to thank Josh and, and Lauren for getting a slideshow ready. I'm supposing they got it to work. They're, they're wonderful. And that makes it possible for those of you who are watching online to, uh, to watch. So let's begin as we do, and let's begin in silence. Our goal is just to be here and to be present, be open, be awake, take a deep breath. May grace be in our heads and in our thinking. May grace be in our eyes and in our seeing. May grace be in our ears and in our hearing. May grace be in our mouths and in our speaking. May grace be in our hearts and in our understanding. And may grace be at our ends and at our departing. So as you know, I keep repeating this because they say that repetition is the mother of mastery. I hope this time today contributes to um, a deepening awareness of who you are a growing awareness of that, a deepening awareness of sacred mystery and your relationship to sacred mystery, and strengthens our resolve to love others as if they were us because they are. And keep in mind that no matter who you are, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, you are celebrated here. Uh, I don't want to take a lot of time from John's um, presentation. I do want to try to introduce him well, but... I, I do want to say a few things. Next week, following the 11 o'clock service, there will be in this room the St. Paul's Annual Pride Picnic. That is always a very fun, um, energetic, educational uh, time to be together. And this year, I am shooting to be the best dressed person at that event. Uh, yeah, I am. I am going for the award of uh, most appropriately addressed for pride. Uh, <clears throat> I don't think they actually give an award, but if they did, I will be wearing that next week. Not during class or during church. All right. So Don and I are going to compete for, for that. Okay. It really is a fun time. They do fun games. You learn a lot about the history of the church and also about St. Paul's involvement in, in the whole pride process. And I think that on the St. Paul's website, you can go and uh, do some sort of registration to participate in the pride march. I'm not sure they were working on that, but I think that's on the website. I think that's on the website. 
So come and eat. You have to register for this event, and uh, this is a sandwich and ship kind of thing. And then you can either go in your car and take a little nap or go home or whatever and then return at 4 o'clock next Sunday afternoon for the last even song that the St. Paul's Choir is going to be doing until fall. I checked. That's correct. There won't be another one until the fall. I, I cannot say enough about the St. Paul's Choir. The choir, if you don't know, is internationally known. Uh, we have... When Sherry was in the choir, I got to travel with them. And um, it's just a wonderful experience. This is a great service, and I hope that you can come to that uh, next week. The following Sunday, Holly and I are going to be co-teaching. We've both been reading a book that's causing us a lot of trouble, a lot of thinking. Um, we may or may not be talking about it. I, I, I gave the next Sunday a title, Holly. Did you see it? I said, uh, Communion of Saints? Question mark. Are you kidding? <laughs> Talk about that. All right. And then uh, the Sunday after that, which will be June the 11th, I'm going to be preaching both services in the uh, in uh, that Sunday and trying to write a sermon and also to write to be here is going to be kind of complicated. So we're going to do something different on the 11th. Um, I don't know uh, what guided me to do this, but um, we will either <clears throat> have one of the best classes ever, 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 or it will be a total disaster because I've asked Roddy Young If he would sit up here with me and Roddy is going to administer to me his version of the Colbert questionnaire. But you're going to participate in that by either getting one of these cards that are there at the back. Thank you to Wayne Herbert for having these cards ready. Or you can go on the Ordinary Life website and fill out one of these question to ask Bill, and they will not be given to me ahead of time, so it's going to be a surprise about what happens, and can I trust you? Okay, that's what I thought. He said no, for those of you who didn't hear. Anyway, Roddy and I have been friends for over 50 years, and I love him, and I think this is going to be a great time. We're going to have a lot of fun that Sunday, and um, I hope you come to one of the services to get your soul saved and then come here and get educated. It'll be fun. So, um, I have known John Howard for a long time, over 30 years, I bet. How long have you and Patsy been together? 33. So I, I knew when you and Patsy got together. That's when, so 33 years, a long, long time. And... Um, for as long as I have known John, he has been very involved in social justice issues. I don't have time to go into this, but we share a common history of the Ecumenical Institute in Chicago, where um, that was back in the 60s, long time ago, when a bunch of radicals were doing radical stuff. And uh, for John, it stuck, and he, he has been interested in issues of social justice and ecumenism 
for as long as I have known him. Not long ago, uh, John went to Mexico to get in immersion language school so that he could work more effectively with immigrants here in Houston because justice for our nation, uh, neighbors and working with immigrants has been one of John's passions for a long time. Recently, he uh, went to um, the Middle East to seek justice and to do his work there. And John Howard is gonna come and speak to us about that work now. John, come and talk. Thank you. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's quite an honor to be here. Uh, during my uh, 10 weeks in uh, Palestine, uh, I uh, was continually asked by friends and family, are you safe? Be careful. Are you okay? <laughs> you know? I mean, r numerous times. While the Palestinians who have no major drug addiction problems, uh, no homeless, uh, and no mass shootings amongst themselves, would ask me, is your family in Texas okay? <laughs> are, are they safe? I hope they're okay, they're all right. Yeah. Uh, and I would say, well, what can the, what can the church in, in the US do to be helpful? And they said, they can quit being the church of good, the Good Friday that is weak, that's living under the cross, and be the resurrected church of Easter. Be a prophetic voice do miracles. Be transparent. That's what they said the church can be. You don't have to come and do something for us. We're, we're standing on our own. Um, the World Council of Churches, in conjunction with the Churches of Palestine in 2009, wrote what's called the Kairos document. And basically, it was saying, we're under occupation. We're under oppression. And the churches of the world need to raise up their voice and, and say something, and they're still waiting. Um, I went with the intention of doing some human rights research, and particularly on discrimination against Christians, under the auspices of an organization called Sabil, uh, which is a official title is uh, Ecumenical Liberation Theology Center which Sabil in Arabic means people of the way. You've heard that before. Um, their values are inclusiveness, nonviolence, and justice. Um, and while I don't have any jokes like Bill, uh, I will share one miracle that they did, and that was they created a staff of three, not 50 like St. Paul's, a staff of three and supporters from around the world. They created a uh, medical insurance program for over 3,000 people who are uh, you know, not qualified for medical insurance. They got pre-existing conditions. Uh, just a little organization, but medical insurance for 3,000 people is not insignificant um, in a, a really impoverished country. Uh, I wanna speak about three things. Introduction of Sabil and their work. Um, about the present situation and uh, the um, comments on identity. I think there's a lot of complexity and confusion about uh, Palestine and Israel. Um, 
I was there from November 25th through February 7th, and shortly after arriving, it was Christmas, and they held a Christmas celebration for about 170 Christian leaders from across uh, the West Bank and Palestine. And let me read you some of the denominations I'd never heard of that were included. Uh, Armenian Catholics, Antiochian Catholics, Armenians, uh, Chaldeans, Eastern Orthodox, Marianites, Coptic, Greek Malachites, Roman Catholics, Syriacs, Mennonites, and a number of, of uh, Protestant denominations. And it was a little complicated because they celebrate three Christmases. You know, we have the 25th in the West of December. Uh, the Orthodox celebrate the 12th day of Christmas, you know, about the 6th or so of January, and the Armenians have their Christmas a few days later. So they did manage to get all 170 of them together for a Christmas celebration to help develop inclusiveness because their ecumenism is not uh, broadly practiced there. Uh, they have four or five uh, programs. Um, one is, is uh, called Kumi Now, which uh, means rise up. And um, uh, in, the Palestinians have basically three options. You can leave, two-thirds of them have. You can fight, uh, handfuls of them do and die, or you can be subservient and serve Israel and, and the Jewish community. So Sabil said, we need a fourth option. We need nonviolent people of justice who are standing up and resisting to the occupation of thousands of soldiers and troops that are micromanaging the lives of Palestinians. Um, and so every Tuesday at 10 o'clock Central Standard Time, 6 o'clock Palestinian time, they'll host an individual or an organization who'll come and speak about uh, something they're doing of significance uh, to help uh, promote resistance. Um, it's, it's open to anybody that registers, 10 o'clock Central Standard Time. Uh, go and check it out. Uh, a, a second program, they do tours twice a year. They'll take small groups uh, on the West Bank to tour NGOs and, and freedom fighters and uh, various Christians. They publish documents. Uh, shortly after I got there, they asked me to do an executive summary of a 162-page um, uh, uh, book on anti-Semitism. Um, I'll get back into that in a minute. But in terms of identities, um, the American evangelical community, major supporter of Israel, uh, has a, a, an ideology, a theology, if you will, uh, that uh, is promoting uh, the fulfillment of the, the uh, Zionist uh, uh, transformation of the land between the river and the sea, uh, Mediterranean Sea, and um, that it that it be turned over to Israel. And, and in so doing, uh, forecast an Armageddon, which will uh, bring back the second coming of Jesus. And uh, in so doing, uh, in the chaos and disaster, uh, will uh, enable some Jews to become Christian. And that is a major ideological uh, movement of the American evangelical community. Um, Christian identity. I'd mentioned it's a little complex with all those different denominations, um, but um, it's, 
an air of uh, Abrahamic uh, faith that the, the land of Israel, of Palestine, be to those people of faith as distinct from the uh, Jewish understanding of God being a realtor who gave them the land. It's a, a significant distinction. People of faith is the Christian community. Uh, they're highly educated, as are uh, many of the Palestinians uh, from the United States and Europe. Uh, I met engineers, doctors, uh, business people uh, that are highly educated. Another aspect of their uh, identity is they uh, have a, a biblical study every Thursday, 10 o'clock Central Standard Time. People of the world are involved on, on Zoom again. And uh, it's done from a, a slightly different context than what we may be used to as uh, something academic and historical. Uh, they're in a land of occupation just as the time 2,000 years ago when the Romans occupied uh, Israel. And they understand that the Bible is a, is a powerful resource for liberation. And that's the, the understanding and the context in which they read the Bible. And so I urge you to uh, join with their uh, Bible study on Thursdays. Uh, they use the lectionary. And they open it up to uh, people's reflections uh, a lot of times it's not the meaning or the understanding necessarily of the scripture, but the, the, just the, the surrounding reflections on that from their lives. Another aspect of uh, worship in the Christian community is, um, you remember Pentecost, uh, when the tongues of fire and old men dreamed dreams and young men had visions and uh, the Holy Spirit came amongst the, uh, the disciples and, and the people are holed up in fear and, and, and terror. In the worship services that I attended in Jerusalem, there were three of them, three different denominations. Uh, they would sing songs and pray prayers in multiple languages all at the same time. That is really strange to experience. It is, I'm, a, I'm looking around, that was weird. Um, the, um, many of the Christians are uh, under attack. When, when they come to the Holy Sepulcher in the old, old uh, city, um, the place of, of Golgotha, the place of the tomb, the place of, of the resurrection, uh, it's now a, a really strange uh, conglomerate, uh, cathedralish kind of a, a structure, but uh, Christians will want to come in there from all over West Bank. They're metered. So, you know, it's like at Easter here, you're only allowed 500 people in, and they got soldiers to meter you, you know, into the church. Or uh, the Palestinians, the same, same sort of thing at their holy festivals. Um, also, there's a lot of uh, attacks on the patriarchs from these, some of these denominations. You may have seen pictures of people in uh, um, Eastern Orthodox or some of these uh, Eastern churches. They're uh, black, old guys with beards and they're covered up with funny hats and robes and so on. 
and they're coming in to uh, celebrate Christmas or Easter or something and are uh, literally attacked by Jewish settlers, spat on, and accused of uh, worshiping three gods. You didn't know that Christians had three gods. That's, that's some of the accusations that are going on. And when they are attacked, the soldiers who are standing there to maintain safety and so forth accuse the patriarchs of uh, incitement. That's, that's what's happening. Not only the churches are being burned and vandalized. You know, we've had some of that with the black churches here in America. But, um, um, and their, their properties are being uh, attacked uh, to be taken over. And sometimes they get to be rented for long periods to accommodate uh, Israel. However, in visiting with the uh, Bishop Emeritus of the Lutheran Church, he said that the Christians, 2% of the population, are have a disproportionate impact on the culture and society there. Uh, churches, uh, hospitals, uh, orphanages, uh, hostels, schools, you know, have a been going on for hundreds of years, have a major impact on the culture and society way disproportionate to 2% of the population. So that's comments on the, on the Christians. The, the Jews, you know, they're obviously religious Jews. They're ethnic Jews. They're secular Jews, almost half the population. Um, and the state of Israel opens up Israel to Jews from worldwide. If you've got any kind of Jewish background or connection or ancestry, whatever, uh, they've opened up uh, the state to your uh, coming as a, a place of safety, which is a major preoccupation of the Jews in, in Israel. Uh, over and over and over again, you hear safety, security, rightfully so. A couple thousand years of persecution, you know, I'd be concerned about safety and security also. Uh, however, when it's carried to an extreme to justify collective punishment, it becomes like a golden calf. Um, and completely segregates uh, the Jews from, from Christians and Palestinians. We had visitors come into Sabeel twice a week at least. Sometimes it was an individual, sometimes it was an organization of Presbyterians or Lutherans from Sweden or uh, Pittsburgh uh, seminarians would come in. A Jewish rabbi came in one day, uh, totally uh, uh, cosmopolitan, educated, open, bright, intelligent, saying, and it came from Tel Aviv, I came to see, I didn't know anything about this Christians. Who, I didn't know there really were many Christians left here. You know, learn about you, to ask questions, to open up. Um, collective punishment is, comes out of this fear. Uh, comes out of this complete segregation and, and ignorance. Um, and the, the book I mentioned that was uh, written on anti-Semitism has a definition that has uh, grown around the world in maybe a major, uh, amongst the many definitions of, of anti-Semitism, may have become the, the major uh, predominant one, is from the International Holocaust Remembrance Association, IHRA. 
that conflates criticism of Jews, which is terrible, with criticism of Israeli politics. One and the same thing. That is incorrect. It is untrue. It is irresponsible. Um, at any rate, that is oftentimes weaponized to um, use to anybody who criti criticizes Israel. Apartheid, you've heard over and over again. Um, and let me um, show you. Oops. Here's a, I hope you can see this um, diagram. These slides courtesy of Miss Holly helped me with because I couldn't get the 40 or more pictures of art on the, the wall that I was hoping to show. I wasn't able to do that myself. But anyway, this diagram shows you the percentage of, of Muslims, of Christians, Druze, uh, and various uh, relig Jewish uh, denominations. Um, this is a picture of Jerusalem from uh, the Mount of Olives. And down, the trees down below is what the Garden of Gethsemane is. And it, you may can barely distinguish a wall in, there in the foreground because um, the old city is about eight blocks a mile square. And you, do, you definitely should see the gold dome, which is the third most sacred spot in Islam where uh, Mohammed uh, riding in from from uh, Arabia on, on his horse ascended into heaven there. That's, that's their gold dome, uh, Mount of the Rock. This is a typical uh, Greek Malachite church. You see they've got paintings all over the place, not so much stained glass, but wall, ceiling. I didn't see any floors painted, but they had everything else uh, painted. Let's see. Oh, that's just... <laughs> thrown in for good measure. Um, they pronounce it kite. I said, God, that's a Jewish, that's a slang term against Jews. I'm, maybe the spelling is different or whatnot, but that's how they pronounced it. Anyway, it is a really good bread, and that's common. People just break it off and eat it like it was a snack food. Anyway, back to the, the, Mount, uh, the Temple Mount and the, the Gold Dome. My back in this picture is to the Gold Dome, and it's at max 100 yards from the uh, Al-Aqsa Mosque. These are the, these are the uh, sensitive spots in, in Islam. Uh, and uh, let's see. Yeah, there's, there's the Gold Dome on the right. Outside of my apartment was this uh, mosque, and they, five times a day, you know, they had prayers, just call to prayer uh, early and late. Mm. Um. But in terms of, uh, oh, I mentioned apartheid. Apartheid definition is institutional regime of systematic oppression and domination by one racial group over any other racial group with the intent of maintaining that regime. There are 165 Bantistans or, or little village or community clusters around. They're all segregated one from another uh, throughout the West Bank. Uh, 
In terms of Palestinian identity, it's tied to the land. Your identity and mine involves our name, our careers, our family, and that's true around the world and it's certainly true with Palestinians. But they are uniquely tied to the land where uh, a lot of times they're living on land where their ancestors are buried. It's been in the family for generations. And I visited this one family, um, a place called Tent of Nations, 99-acre farm, uh, the Daoud Nasser family. He's been in court for 32 years with Israelis, spending a couple hundred thousand dollars in legal fees uh, to defend his, his title to his land. Rural people traditionally uh, around the world don't have titles or deeds to their property. That's sort of a capitalist, almost a Western kind of a thing. But uh, so they would be living on their, their village, for, you know, their family for hundreds of years. They'd go out to farm in the fields and then come back home at night. The Nasser family lived on their land. He had titles from the Ottoman Empire, from the uh, Jordanian uh, uh, government, from the British when they ruled Palestine. Uh, over a hundred years, he's got titles, pieces of paper, pro uh, deeds to his property. 32 years he's in court, he's in court today. Uh, all kinds of torment and, and, and trouble inflicted on him. Uh, 50, 80 years ago, there were three or four people who had property around him. Today, there are 19. They're all called into court uh, to verify the borders, the deed, and the title, and whatnot of, of their properties, and, and so on. Uh, only court has been delayed. You had to take off of work and go into uh, Tel Aviv to court or, or Jerusalem, uh, only to return, come back another day. Uh, 32 years. He was recently, Diode's family was recently given a blank check. You fill it out and get the hell out of here. How can you sell your identity? He can't sell his, he can't sell who they are. So he just tore it up. Um, I showed you pictures of, of the Al-Aqsa Mosque and the, uh, the um, Dome of the Rock. Uh, the Jews now are saying that that square, which is 150 yards across each way, um, is where the Second Temple was. You know, while I was there, right after, uh, they had uh, Ramadan, uh, the uh, Jewish uh, Seder, uh, and Easter. Uh, all three religions <clears throat> were having their, their holy days right at, almost at the same time. And this, this square where the, the Dome of the Rock is, is a v highly inflammatory place, uh, particularly when the police are coming in and, and uh, pushing people around. In terms of the present situation, fasten your safety belts. Uh, international law says and is disregarded in, in the West Bank, Palestine, utterly, totally, completely, what's going on is illegal. Uh, occupations are to be short, according to international law. Short is after World War II, 10 years in Japan or, or uh, Germany, uh, Western troops, uh, 
Afghanistan, maybe an exception, 20 years. This occupation has been going on for 55 years since the uh, uh, 1967 war. Uh, it's uh, not short. Also, under uh, international law, you're not to take over the other people's land. Well, um, in uh, 48, when uh, the Jews were given a section of uh, a portion of, of Palestine, uh, the uh, Palestinians were allocated 45% of the land. After the 67 war, when uh, the Israeli Defense Force, the Israeli army uh, conquered everything, uh, they were allowed 22% of the land. Today, they're in the single digits of the land of the West Bank. Um, the um, primary responsibility of the occupying power is the care and maintenance and uh, support of those who are there occupying. <laughs> that is clearly not happening today. Um, and they're not, the occupying forces are not to move people in or out. There are 300 settlements in, in the West Bank today, and a lot of the people who are arrested under administrative detention, that means they go in and pick up some teenager because there was some rock throwing someplace, and typically that's for three months. It could be six months. It can be indefinite. There's no trial. There's no charges. There's no accusations. It's called administrative detention. Um, Israel, as everybody knows, is the, the major democracy in the Middle East. Democracy involves voting. Since half of the people in Palestine are not citizens, they don't vote. They have no rights. So only the Jews vote. So the Jews have democracy. Um, Palestinians are um, legal permanent residents, as though you had a green card, as though in this country uh, the minorities were legal permanent residents but not citizens of the United States. Well, that would be the equivalent. Um, also part of the present situation is $3.8 billion a year that the U.S. gives to Israel. Uh, after 30 years of doing this, it starts to amount to some money. When, when, uh, when I was on that uh, Mount of Olives, looking back over Jerusalem, I could see 13 in West Jerusalem, which is not part of the West Bank, it's part of Israel. 13 high-rise cranes, you know, for building high-rise buildings. 13. None in East Jerusalem. They've got... Uh, Light rail, better than we do, or at least as, uh, as much as we do. Um, water. Oh, this is a shot from, from the um, old town, old, old uh, city. It's like a Hollywood set, but that's, that's really what a lot of it looks like. And I, I don't know this for a fact, but I suspect half of that stuff comes from China. I don't know. Um, <laughs> All right, this is, this is the history of the, the takeover of the land, which is continuing today. And that on the right, 1998, 
you can see the little speckles in there are the different communities. This is what it looks like in the United States. Not dissimilar. Oh, checkpoints. I could go in, I could talk all day about checkpoints and uh, permits. Uh, 60 permanent checkpoints, 100 flying checkpoints. Those are ones that come and go. Uh, the director of Sabil lived eight miles away in the town of Ramallah, which is perhaps the nicest city in the West Bank. He, on a interstate, interstate freeway, he could come in in 30, 45 minutes or two and a half hours, depending on getting through the checkpoint. You know? And then at the end of the day, after an eight or 10 hour job, he could go home in 40 minutes or two and a half hours. You know? One Friday he asked me around Christmas to come to a, a Christmas festival in Ramallah. We got there in the 30, 40 minutes and there was a line of a dozen cars in front of us. Uh, two Israeli soldiers. If you're male, you're required to, to enlist for three years. If you're female, it's two years. These are 19, 20 year olds with Uzis. You know, they're just sitting there, a dozen cars. We're waiting 40 minutes. You know, nothing happens. They let a few out. They didn't do anything. They didn't check anybody. No, I'm sitting there. Omar turned around and took me back into uh, Jerusalem. Uh, I don't know how long it took him to get home. Uh, when I'm coming from Jerusalem back to Tel Aviv, leaving uh, Palestine, we were stopped at a checkpoint. Well, where have you been? I've been on a tour of, you know, Christian churches. Well, what churches? Well, I went to St. George's Cathedral. I went to Bethlehem. Oh, you went to Bethlehem. Uh, how many bags do you have? We leave your phone here in the seat and uh, step inside and we'll, we'll call you. I got a passport. I don't have a, a, a permit like the uh, Palestinians do to be able to go from here to uh, uh, Bel Air or here to Conroe or here to Friendswood, you know. Uh, Checkpoints are a vicious, vicious thing. Uh, people are having babies in a cab waiting to get through a checkpoint. People are dying in cabs waiting to get to a hospital eight miles away. Yeah. Uh, and we're talking millions of people going to school, going to work, going to weddings. You know, Last week, one of the uh, Kumi Now programs the whole 45-minute program was about a, a traditional Palestinian wedding. It was fantastic. Some of the family couldn't get there. They couldn't get through the checkpoints. Uh, this is going into another aspect of that same checkpoint. Uh, I hope you can see this. I, this is an aerial view. I don't know if it's a satellite or a plane or whatnot. But if you can see the distinction in this between the West Bank and the, all of Israel, this shows you what 70, control of 70 or 80% of the water in the land will do. 
you can see it clearly uh, that Israel is green and Palestine is much less so. When you drive through a Palestinian uh, neighborhood, they all have two or three hundred, I don't know how big they are, uh, tanks on their roof to hold water. So when the water's cut off, they've got a, a, a reserve. Uh, it was only cut off twice while I was there, and very briefly. Uh, when you drive through a, a settlement or a, a, a Jewish subdivision, you've got all street parking, you've got you know, street lights, you've got garbage pickup. Yeah. That's, that's one half of the community, and the other half doesn't have that sort of thing. Uh, there are over 350 civil society organizations were closed under the pressure of the occupation. This is a, civil society organizations is a larger group than NGOs. In August before I went, there were seven NGOs, uh, 20, 30, 40 year uh, international reputations uh, of, of work in human rights and social justice. Uh, they were uh, at night raided by IDF, Israeli Defense Force, uh, computers stolen, files taken, padlock or welded doors shut. Uh, they're, again, they're illegal and they're terrorist organizations, all right? Uh, Al-Haq, there were three of them I was able to visit uh, who, who are still operating. Al-Haq had uh, cases filed with the International Criminal Court, International Court of Justice, over the occupation, over the illegalities of what's going on. And within a week after this, they had 20 consuls and, and uh, attorney generals from 20 different countries in their office saying, we support you, we stand with you. Uh, their funding, uh, letters go out to their funders uh, internationally, a lot of whom are in Europe, and saying, this. This organization is under investigation. They're considered uh, to have corruption going on, supporting terrorists, uh, illegal operations. You might want to consider uh, whether you donate to this organization. Yeah. Uh, anonymous letters. Uh, the UN has exerted 81 vetoes. The US has exerted 81 vetoes in the Security Council. 42 regarding Israel, of which 32 are on the occupation, occupation of Palestine. I've finished a book since I got back, uh, written by three UN special rapporteurs. The United Nations has about 40, 42 uh, around the world, different places, over places or over issues. But in Israel, they're assigned for six-year periods. So three of these over the last 18 years, plus the current one, got together and wrote a book. And basically, I'm getting stuff, what I'm telling you, right out from the United Nations Special Rapporteurs. Uh, the uh, UN Office of Humanitarian, Af Coordinating Humanitarian Affairs Office uh, has uh, had their visas not renewed uh, as a result. Uh, killings uh, per the UN o OCHA office coordinating office of humanitarian affairs 
says 231 Palestinians were killed by Israeli defense forces, uh, while 20 Israelis uh, were killed by Palestinians last year in 2022. Uh, between January 2008 and February 15th of 23, 6,226 Palestinians were killed and 289 Israelis. Uh, home demolitions. Uh, we're still talking about uh, 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 to the general population uh, what's going on. But home demolitions uh, a lot of times take place over um, an individual who shoots a palace, who shoots a Jew. So, you know, he's, he's killed or whatever. Um, but his, his family's home, one, two, three generations living there, maybe a quadruplex with 10, 20, 40 people living there, demolished. They're all homeless. Uh, in order to build, you're supposed to have a permit. 1% of the permits are issued. Um, so people have a, have a child, they add on a bedroom and get a notice on the door. Uh, tear it down or we'll tear it down and you'll pay for it, what you've just built. Uh, so uh, in 2022, there were 926 Palestinian uh, buildings were demolished by Israeli authorities. In 2021, it was 3,004. Uh, since 1967, about 60,000 Palestinian structures have been demolished. I mentioned settlements. Uh, there are 300 in, uh, Jewish settlements in the West Bank uh, with 730,000 uh, Jewish uh, settlers uh, receiving grants and subsidies, uh, agricultural development, education, and welfare benefits. West Bank land, uh, lands get designated as national priority zones, have business incentives for industry, employment benefits, and reduced taxes. Uh, and they're uh, treated as integral parts of municipal systems for budgetary funding of education, utilities, infrastructure, housing, water, and so on. Um, another aspect of the present situation is uh, our media and the linguistic context in which uh, you receive the news. Um, you watch. Six o'clock news. You just sometime something comes on about Palestine. Report will be Israeli says. Israel says. It's reported by Israel. It's not Palestinians say or Palestinians or Christians say. Um, it's as though in the Ukraine, Moscow reports that or Russia says. You know. If we got our news like that, you would sort of think, whoa, that's a little funny. Um, I visited a court. The, um, I could talk all day about the courts. Um, Palestinians have m military justice system. Jews have civil justice system, civil courts. You know, um, 
this uh, 19 prisons, uh, and each of them have uh, portable buildings like you see at schools here in, in Harris County. Uh, schools will have an outbuilding, a portable building. It was very similar to what the where the courts were held. In this Ofer prison I went, there were seven of these buildings. They could each uh, process a couple hundred uh, cases a day. A case of a juvenile that I, I participated in, uh, he was brought in, uh, testimony or whatever, the accusation was read, uh, the sentence was passed, five minutes, open and shut, it's a deal. Next, five minutes, open and shut, next. Uh, and there, uh, after they do their time, whether it's three months or three years or in some cases much longer, they're returned to their village. And it's like um, in Eastern Europe or in Iran, uh, where the secret police uh, were had had uh, uh, what do you call it informants all through society. So everybody that's released from prison uh, knows that somebody is informed on them, uh, or they're suspected of being informants on others. Uh, something like 60% of the Palestinians think that their neighbors are. Uh, supporting or, or complicit with the Israeli Defense Force, the Shin Beth, the secret police. Uh, so the social fabric is utterly destroyed. Um, the wall, <laughs> I had about 40 pictures, I'm not sophisticated enough to have gotten on the slide, of, of art on the wall. Uh, it's, really, it's really something. Um, but it's uh, 70 kilometers, less than 500 miles long. But it's sort of like the coastline, you know, it does this. And it surrounds some of the villages, and like Bethlehem has got a wall around it. Uh, some of the uh, farmers are separated from uh, the West Bank, or some of them are separated from their farms. Uh, uh, it's uh, all built on uh, West Bank lands, and uh, it's, uh, it's a form of collective punishment, like all these others. Uh, when, I, when I got out of that cab going to uh, Tel Aviv, uh, I had mentioned that I'd been in Bethlehem, and the taxi driver said, why did you say that? Like, how would I know? Uh, anyway, uh, a lot of the tourists that come are told uh, you might not want to go there because it's not been one of the most the safest places or there are certain dangers in certain places you, you may want to avoid. Uh, Bethlehem. Uh, um, the uh, Palestinian Authority, you've all heard of, uh, supposedly the quasi-government of Palestine, are uh, subcontractors to Israeli Defense Force to maintain security and stability and peace. Uh, they are so corrupt. I visited with a, a gentleman named Nasser uh, Banat, who was holed up in his office packing and sleeping there and getting food in somehow or another, but he never left his office. It was a decent office, but uh, he'd been there for months. 
His brother, uh, Yassan Benat, had been one of the most critical uh, critics of, on social media of the Palestinian Authority. Very popular. You know, I know he may have been a, like, a, who's this guy on, on Fox News? Anyway, uh, people were just enthralled by this guy. And uh, it was felt that he was a shoe in uh, to win the next presidency of the Palestinian Authority. However, the last election was in 2006. He was arrested in 2001 and uh, taken into to the prison and beaten to death with steel rods uh, because he was a shoe in to be president. And um, only because of U.S. government pressures were they forced to release the videos because they said it was suicide. Uh, but after they uh, released the videos, they had to release the body. And um, in Palestine, you can't be buried unless you turn over your ID to the Palestinian Authority. Uh, Nasser printed up 3,500 of his brother's IDs and circulated them around saying, Gassant lives. And um, they have, Israelis have 2,600 bodies in coal storage right now that are uh, used as bargaining chips. We'll release your son or your nephew or your uncle or whatever for something. Uh, there are two wars going on. One is this war, war of resistance by the Palestinians and the other is the, the media war. Uh, Israeli government is spending millions and millions and millions of dollars to convince you and the rest of the world of the Israeli democratic country's story about what's going on. That war is being lost because colonialism is uh, no longer viewed as uh, it's an anachronism. Uh, and that's uh, colonial settlers is, is another description of what's happening over there. So they're, they're losing the campaign uh, for this. There are a few things I would want you to remember as I conclude. Uh, international law is utterly disregarded. It has nothing to do with what's going on. Apartheid is what's taking place. They're being banned to stand. Uh, the Palestinians are living under occupation. And uh, the American Evangelical Church in Israel are promoting manifest destiny. You've heard that term from the ocean to the river, just like happened once before right here. Uh, and uh, there is a great solidarity amongst Christians, especially European Christians, uh, with uh, Christians of Palestine. So what can you do? Be the Easter church, the resurrected church. Not just doing charity, but do miracles. Be transparent and have a prophetic voice. Um, go and see, return and tell. Uh, and support BDS. The United Methodist Kairos Response has an effort to uh, boycott, divest, and sanction from 
what's going on in settlements, not just in Israel, but in the settlements in Palestine. You can educate yourselves. Read, YouTube, Al Jazeera. Um, have ordinary life, sign an apartheid free pledge. Uh, and don't be cowed by accusations of anti-Semitism when you have a criticism of an Israeli policy. Um, and as Wayne Herbert says, question everything. Uh, yeah. As um, one last slide, I would try to show, show you. And have you read, join me in reading the Agape Creed, which is uh, the conclusion of the Bible study every Thursday that Sabeel does. Join me. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It does not keep a record of wrongs. It does not celebrate injustice, but rejoices in the truth. Love never gives up, never loses faith, always hopes, always endures. Love cannot be conquered. Thank you. Thank you, John Howard, and we'll see you all here next week. No matter what happens or where you go, remember this. You carry precious cargo, so watch your step and see you here with Holly next Sunday. Thank you. Thank you.